0: I wanted to appear a certain way, and that just wasn't, that wasn't my truth, you know? And, and so I, I was really hard on myself. I Part of me hated myself. I, I just didn't understand why I was having such a hard time functioning and had this idea that it's easier for other people and therefore something's wrong with me. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, I, I, I even got into a bout where I was cutting myself for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, excessively drinking, um, mm-hmm. cr- using cannabis in a, in a negative way. And my relationship right. with all of these coping mechanisms were um, things to avoid myself and to try to numb right. what was going on because it just felt so overwhelming. Like I just didn't know what to do with it. So I just right. wanted to numb it and push it away.
1: You're listening to the On Call Empath Show. Welcome to another episode of the On Call Empath. My name is Raj Mantaj, and I want to thank you guys for tuning in today's episode. I have a good one for you. I have uh, Marin McHugh, and um, I hope I said that correctly. You did. You got <laughs> uh, it. Awesome. <laughs> Well, um I can't wait to, you know, discuss everything that you have to say about um, you know, how you kind of overcame so much adversity and trauma. Um right now it looks like I mean, you do you're a yoga teacher, meditation, uh one-on-one body mind um life coach. You have your own podcast called The ABCs of Living a Dope Life, which I love. Um and so let's just dive right in. I mean, there's so much going on in the world today. I mean, with I mean, especially in the U.S. I know you're in Canada, but I mean, people are stressed out all over the world because of this pandemic. Mm-hmm. Our stress levels are up there. Like we're constantly stuck on like a uh, sort of like our nervous system is constantly going 24-7. Mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on here. There's a lot of people listening that are stuck at home um, that have gone through so many things uh, from depression, anxiety. So I think you can bring a lot of value in today. So I wanted to bring you in and get your take. So how are you doing today?
0: <laughs> I'm doing very well. Thank you, Raj. Yeah, it's been a, a good day. And yeah. uh, I'm very excited to, to dive into this and keep it as succinct and um, powerful as possible.
1: <laughs> awesome. And just for the listeners out there, this is not medical advice. Obviously, I have to give a disclaimer that, you know, whatever you talk about today is just, uh, you know, basically our opinions. Uh, Marin, if you want to, uh, you know, say anything about that. Mm.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a really important thing to keep in mind that uh, I can speak to my experience and to what. I notice and what has worked for me. Uh, But each one of us, while we have a lot in common, we are actually very individual. And ensuring that you have proper support and uh, medical advice if you're going through something really intense Mm -hmm. is really wise and important in this process. So everything we say is just to spark some curiosity. Uh, But uh, yeah, reach out. Make sure you have support.
1: Mm -hmm. All right. So with that out of the way, guys, uh, let's dive right in. Uh, Maren, if you want to just kind of give us a brief mm-hmm. overview. I mean, you know you've been through so much in life, I mean, with your uh, addiction or the toxic relationship with food and yeah. then the religion aspect of it and then dealing with, you know, uh, a couple health problems, the ADHD. If you can kind of give us a quick uh, overview of that and mm-hmm. just let us know exactly where your journey is right now.
0: Yeah, thank you. I, uh... This started very young for me. I uh, really struggled with negative self-talk from a very early Uh age. And this just culminated into um, food issues, judging my body, uh, negative comparison Uh of of who I was at all times. And um, I developed this habit of just keeping myself very busy and very stimulated because when I would slow Uh down... It was overwhelming and I, I didn't like feeling sad or depressed. Mm-hmm. So I, I pushed it away as much as possible. Uh, but as mm-hmm. I'm sure many people can relate to that, whatever you push away is going to come back full force eventually. So right. um, long story short, I, um, you know, in my early 20s, it had gotten to the point where I um, I just couldn't function. I was using... Yeah. I was using medication, alcohol, mm-hmm. um, drugs, uh, partying, uh, anything to to feel good in the moment to avoid what was really going on. And mm-hmm. um, I just got to the point where I, I had an existential crisis, I couldn't leave my apartment, I was so terrified of death, I mm-hmm. uh, was having panic attacks. I wouldn't eat for a full day, and then I would binge like it was just so bad like I, I just got to right. the point where I realized this is not getting better on its own mm-hmm. uh it's right. getting worse, and it's getting worse and worse, and I need to figure out how my mind and body works and how to actually change my relationship with myself and with these patterns so that I can actually function in life and not mm-hmm. pretend that I'm functioning it was it was really rock bottom for me of realizing that if i don't if i don't make a change i'm not going to last much longer
1: yes and i know it's not easy and, and i'm i thank you for coming forward and being brave to talk about all this i know a lot of people out there especially with the pandemic many people are facing exactly what you're kind of describing but mm-hmm. i mean it looks like you've definitely been on that very that the that level where, I mean, you're, it was on a daily basis. Do you know, like, why or what was, like, the root cause of what started all of this um, in the beginning, in the first place? Or did it just kind of all hit you at once just because of going to play basketball at San Diego State? Or what really tipped it off, do you think?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think part of it was the expectation of, of what I thought I was working towards, you know, this mm-hmm. this goal of being a, a professional athlete, to to get a full ride scholarship, to play basketball, to to get attention, to be seen. Um, mm-hmm. you know, all these things I thought th- this is what I need to be happy. I'm not happy because I don't have X, Y, and Z. And after grueling effortful years of achieving these things, I thought I needed, and then actually stepping into the reality of you know here i am you know as you said i'm the san diego state campus and wow. i'm the same person i'm still thinking the same thoughts i still feel the same way i'm still avoiding the same things it was it was kind of like reality smacked me mm-hmm. in the face and i realized all these things i thought i needed to be happy that's not it mm-hmm. like there's something right. deeper going on and and it was just so overwhelming that Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to be with it. I didn't know what to do. So I just kept pushing it off thinking like, you know, I'll, it'll fix it by itself. And, right. then, <laughs> and it, it just doesn't work that way.
1: Yeah. And you were facing also like, um, I mean, you you were an ADH um, medication, yeah. which kind of exacerbated your anxiety and, and made it more like uh, unbearable, I would imagine. Right. Well, I I was
0: abusing it, so I Mm -hmm. um, it it had become another thing to harm myself. Really, Uh, you know, I was uh, there was there was just so many different layers to it that I I wanted to appear a certain way, and that just wasn't that wasn't my truth, you know. And and so I I was really hard on myself. I part of me hated myself. I I just didn't understand why I was having such a hard time functioning and had this idea that it's easier for other people and therefore something's wrong with me. And mm-hmm. and so, you know, I, I, I even got into a bout where I was cutting myself for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, excessively drinking, um, mm-hmm. cr- using cannabis in a in a negative way. I think cannabis is a mm-hmm. beautiful plant. I think all things, there's nothing that's inherently good or evil. It's about your relationship right. with it. And my relationship right. with all of these coping mechanisms were um, things to avoid myself and to try to numb right. what was going on because it just felt so overwhelming. Like I just didn't know what to do with it. so I just right. wanted to numb it and push it away.
1: Now, being an athlete definitely takes a lot of discipline and you have to have energy and all that stuff. How did that all play when a role like I mean because you had to perform on the court. Like, how did you manage all of that, having anxiety and then abusing all, all this? And then, you know, how did you balance all that? Did that affect, like, your overall performance or your quality of life by any, by any chance?
0: Totally, yeah. I, I was really good at functioning in high-stimulus environments. Uh, mm-hmm. So, in general, you know, playing basketball, being in practice, like, in general, that was actually relief. It, there was so much to pay attention to and I was working hard. So it was like a break from what else was going on. I, I generally struggled more when things got quiet. Like when when I finally, you know, could hear my thoughts more, have more time to be with them, that's when it would start this really downward spiral. Uh, mm-hmm. But with that being said, you know, this, this continual avoidance of myself and this continual, um, uh, <sighs> abuse of myself and different substances Mm -hmm. it did get to the point where i couldn't function anywhere so Mm -hmm. like i had a a severe anxiety attack in a basketball practice um partly Mm -hmm. because i had abused my adhd medication just trying to keep Mm -hmm. energy in my system and um i thought i was having a heart attack like i just i couldn't calm myself down and you know was taken to the hospital and um had to get off my ADHD medication at that point, because I was damaging my heart from the abuse. Mm-hmm. And, and then it also got to the point too where, you know, my window of tolerance was so small that, you know, if I made a mistake, or my coach said something constructive or critical, mm-hmm. it would just I would just lose it, like, I just, I wouldn't be able to function after that. So it mm-hmm. it kind of was this building up of, you know, I could function at first, but because I wasn't actually regulating myself or or doing positive things for myself it just got worse and worse until i lost passion for basketball i couldn't play anymore i would actually step into the gym and lose all my energy i'd become immediately lethargic my body would shut down so i i just i got to the point where i actually couldn't function in life and my only option Mm. was i need to figure out how my mind and body works or else i'm I'm not going to last much longer
1: yeah, I mean, it's very scary stuff. I know a lot of the empaths, highly sensitive people that are tuning in today, listening to um, Aaron's story, um, you know, going through all this puts a, a lot of pressure and stress on our nervous system. Mm-hmm. When we try to people please, I'm sure when your, when your coach said something, it would sting that much more or people that you cared about, you know, you were trying to please them at the same time. Maybe like you were facing stuff after practice that you maybe, n- maybe not talked about to other people, but by keeping that in um, and this leads me to the next question is mm-hmm. what do you think happened? Like what was going on in your nervous system? And then if you can kind of talk about the uh, hyper arousal and the window of tolerance and the vagus nerve and how that all kind of plays a role and, and kind of with your situation. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So, you know, one way of looking at it is that um, my nervous system just didn't ever feel safe. (laughs) No matter what I did, it was about avoiding what was really going on and even people pleasing, this external validation. it's It's all about getting some semblance of safety and putting all of my all of my eggs in one basket as if I'm only going to feel safe and okay if I if I get approval from this person. So yeah, when I get approval, it's great, but you know, that's putting a lot of control in someone else's hands. So the the window of tolerance comes from the work of Daniel Siegel. And it's, it's a map of understanding, one of many maps of understanding how your nervous system works. And uh, what was so helpful for me in learning this was that it took the um, took the pressure off myself. I no longer could say or ask, like, what's wrong with me? Why does this happen? It actually just gave me very clear understanding of, oh, this is what happens to everybody. Like, This is the way the nervous system works. Your window of tolerance is your, your place where you feel good and open and connected. You're in your social engagement system, which would be another map, Stephen Porges' polyvagal theory, where you are green. You're good to go. Like I'm, I'm able to, to feel and stay open and connected. And when we receive a danger signal, which can be objective in the sense of, um, you know, a loud noise that you weren't expecting or uh, a, cl- a close call where you almost got hit by a car or something. I, these are very objective. Everyone's nervous system is going to react to it. But for some of us, we also have a very long list of subjective signals that make us feel unsafe. Uh, it could be, Absolutely. you know, someone looks at you funny, and it's mm-hmm. like, whoa, danger, right? You know, there's, <laughs> there's so many little things that can tip it off. And when you have a really narrow window of tolerance, it means the slightest little signal of danger could just make you flip up and just yeah. kind of lose lose your ability to actually think coherently or to use your mm-hmm. higher cognitive abilities. Like, those are just offline. So you move completely into your survival Mechanism. Uh, so hyperarousal is is anxiety. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's the am I safe? What do I need to do? Is it okay? Like your body's just on hyperdrive. Your heart's going to be beating right. quicker. You're going to breathe a little bit faster. Like your your body thinks you're in danger. And when you stay up in that state without finding safety, without regulating mm-hmm. your system, or or the natural occurrence you know, out in nature when there's a danger signal, and then you know. The, the lion runs off or or you find safety, and then your nervous system down regulates mm-hmm. for so many of us we're not finding safety. We stay up in that hyper arousal and what naturally happens for a nervous system is the next line of defense is shut down it's hyper mm-hmm. it's hypo sorry hypo arousal so mm-hmm. this is your body playing dead mm-hmm. like it you know we're not meant to stay in that. Toxic state of hyperactivity all the time. That naturally, what happens is the body starts to shut down, and some people get frozen right in between those states of hyperactivity right. where it might be the mind is just going off, it won't stop, it's barely coherent, and we're in this overwhelmed state of inaction, right?
1: Yes, mm-hmm. yes, that is very interesting. I mean, even like for me personally, like environment plays a big role like if I'm in a bad environment like you know a work environment I'll start to feel like pain and and things Mm -hmm. on my body which I'm like where is this coming from Mm -hmm. and yeah I can go to the doctor and I can tell them like this I'm getting this back pain Uh, what do I do they'll try to treat that symptom but the root cause is like I got an asshole boss who doesn't respect me and uh basically talks down to me and I try to people please so because yeah. I can't release that rage my my I don't know if it's the what happens but all of a sudden I get a migraine or I got severe back pain where I have to sit down or go home or lie down or put ice on it but the minute I'm you know I'm done with the job or I I'm no longer at that place I'm back to normal so everything mm-hmm. comes back to a base point so I can totally understand what you're saying with that and especially a lot of the trauma victims that are listening right now in this podcast, like, you know, if if you're constantly raised in an environment where your family or whoever raised you is constantly, you know, giving you like stress and you're, and Mm -hmm. you're constantly, your nervous system is always on high alert. I mean, imagine what happens when, as an adult, like it's hard to function. It's hard to go out. It's hard to have good, you know, good, you know, self-esteem and, I know you talk about a lot of that, and I looked at your website. Like Mm -hmm. a lot of those things are very important to have, like good sense of self, a sense of belonging, and all of that does play a critical role. So I wanted to ask you, like, you know, what do you do when you notice yourself in like like an activated or shut down response?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, for me, it's been this process of reparenting. Myself and recognizing that every impulsive reaction, every feeling, uh, every emotion, it's it's actually coming up trying to protect you. And and so when when I notice that I'm in overwhelm or I'm feeling anxious or I'm feeling pain in my body or or I notice, like, wow, I'm shutting down. uh, I actually turn towards it. It's, okay. it's this process of thinking of my nervous system like, like a small child, and okay. everything that it's doing, it's, it's doing because it thinks that it's um, the right. right thing to do, right? So it's not about excusing your behavior or, um, you know, even my client this morning, we were talking about this, and, and his initial reaction to it was, you know, well, I don't want to reward this bad behavior, and it's mm-hmm. really understanding that it's, it's actually about being in awe of how amazing and powerful your nervous system is and mm-hmm. recognize that it's trying to protect you. So it doesn't matter if it leads to um, what you might label as, quote, unquote, bad or unhealthy behaviors. We're not actually looking at that. We're looking at what happened first, like that mm-hmm. impulse, that feeling. That maybe you then made it mean something and you went off and did something about it to avoid it or act out on it. But if you actually can just pause and just feel the initial reaction and mm-hmm. turn towards it, meet it with love, meet it with this appreciation mm-hmm. of like, thank you for trying so hard to protect me. Yes. You know, yeah. it, and so it, it becomes this this process of you as your higher self is like the adult, the wise adult. Yes. And your mm-hmm. your body is like a, a house of your being where there are different visitors, there are different um, people or parts that live in this house. And when the adult mm-hmm. is not there to kind of regulate and, and manage and, and show love and compassion, things can get a little chaotic. And yeah. one one part might try to take the lead and push the other parts <laughs> down. and And mm-hmm. it really, for me, it's just this constant process. Of no matter what I feel, to just put my hand on my heart, you know, even if it's a thought that comes up, maybe it's an impulsive thought or a harsh thought, to mm-hmm. put my hand on my heart and go, "Oh wow, thank you for trying to protect me." Like it's yeah. just my my nervous system, it's firing up trying to protect me. Like that's amazing. It's it's awe inspiring yeah, when you actually see it. That
1: way. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. and I mean it's a remarkable system that we have. Um, sometimes when it gets stuck, when there is no really danger around us and that Mm -hmm. fires up, that's where I think a lot of the people um, that are listening in that have had the trauma where they get these, I don't want to call them flashbacks, but their nervous system is constantly on hypervigilant mode where they're looking around waiting for that tiger to jump out of the the bushes and, and, and ambush them. But, um, but that leads me to ask you like, how when did things start to calm down for you once you like accepted all this like how did you get yourself to a point where now you're like okay um i know how to deal with this if if i face this again mm-hmm. like what was the process like for your healing
0: yeah it um it was a slow <laughs> step-by-step <laughs> day it's still going day. right <laughs> oh is it ever yeah it's like it's <laughs> It gets easier, for sure, and more fun because I've built up neural superhighways that are actually leading me towards habits that are supportive and healthy. And, mm-hmm. and so when I knew that every habit I have currently is a neural superhighway, and I really sort of diving into, well, how do I change these neural superhighways to go somewhere else? And and, well, the answer is you need to repeat the shit out of what you want and you need to be patient and you need to understand that what you do daily matters more than what you do once in a while. And for me, being someone with ADHD, when someone would say, oh, you should meditate, like I just like whether it was external or internal, it was like middle fingers up and like you have no idea (laughs) What's going on <laughs> inside my brain? Like you try to meditate with this brain, like it right. just—it seems so impossible for me. And and so as I kept diving into the neuroscience of change, I realized that saying even the commitment of five minutes of meditation a day was actually overwhelming for my nervous system mm. to the point right. where I wouldn't do it, right? And so it was what for me it was the question of well, what would I do daily? Like what would be spacious and pleasurable enough that it didn't matter how i felt in that moment that i would create the space to build this habit of meditation and for me the answer was 30 seconds and so that's what i did 30 seconds a day every morning sit and just try to focus on my breath and i knew that it was also i was going to hit some points where that itself was going to be difficult Because that's what happens. That's what it feels like when you're starting to build a neural pathway in a new direction. The body and the brain resist it because it's not efficient. Whatever has kept you alive to this point is going to be a super highway in your brain. And your body is going to keep trying to direct you down that way because it's trying to conserve energy. So for me, it was this mindset shift of when I noticed the agitation or the resistance to do something that the higher self, the the adult in me knew this is what I want to do, when I felt that resistance, I would respond with, oh, this means it's working. Mm -hmm. right?" Instead of seeing it as a a reason to stop, I just had to like flip the script and recognize Mm -hmm. that it's a good thing. And so after months of 30 seconds of meditation, of just focusing on my breath, I started noticing that I would just do it throughout the day. Like when I was Mm. feeling a little frazzled, I would just be like, "Oh, I'll just take 30 seconds or like running into a, a, to teach a class and realizing I've been on the go all day. I just need 30 seconds. So it started to just bleed in throughout my day where I would Mm. just feel this immediate down regulation and it felt really good. And so then I was able to increase it to three minutes And then it was just a slow build of really noticing what feels like too much and being gentle, edging it back until I got to the point where I started having enough space to actually notice my thoughts and start creating a little bit of um, releasing this over identification with the thoughts or the feelings as if this is me, this is truth. I finally had enough space to go. Oh well, I can actually notice this thought. I can I can be with it. So that means I'm not just this thought,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that's how things yeah. started shifting. Mm-hmm.
1: That's awesome. And one thing I want to point out I know there's a couple people that have been saying you don't have to sit you know in our yoga mat and and close your eyes you know and do that. You can have you can do your meditation like throughout the day. Um, some people like do it in the shower or they do it while they're doing something like very calmly like gardening or something to the point where that's bringing you to a point where you're totally calm. I don't know. What do you think about that? Can can it be, can you Mm -hmm. meditate like it sporadically? Let's say you're just driving and I mean, is it possible just to take time out of your day to do that and work on your breathing or would you Mm -hmm. rather recommend somebody do it on a yoga mat, closed doors?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I think you start Start with what you'll do. So what you're describing, those are mindfulness activities, and those Mm -hmm. are super important and extremely beneficial for the brain. And Mm -hmm. you do that enough, you're going to start realizing that sitting down and closing your eyes and focusing on your breath and moving into a more formal meditation, it also Mm -hmm. serves a purpose. So I'd say it's, it's both and. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you're brand new to this and and you say things like, oh, running is my meditation or gardening is my meditation, just recognize that I'm not saying that that's bad or that's wrong, but it's different. Like that's (laughs) that's mindfulness. You're mindfully attending to something which feels really good and maybe it brings you joy. Like that's amazing. That's a really important thing to have in your day. And that's not the same thing as, (laughs) as sitting down and creating this space to actually just be with yourself with unconditional mm. love, and to watch what happens as you actually do nothing externally. They're different activities.
1: Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was wondering, like, I mean, they definitely have different purposes. I know journaling is a big one, gratitude, all these things oh, yeah. have kind of helped me. Um, I'm. I've tried to meditate, it's just I haven't got myself to you know, just sit there, and I've I've tried, you know, and I'm getting better at it, but Mm -hmm. I just, like I said, I use, like, journaling, and, like, even playing an instrument, like, guitar, like, I I get, like, some sort of satisfaction out of it, but again, it might not serve the same purpose as actually just shutting off everything, and sitting, and not doing anything, and that could be Mm -hmm. very powerful in itself, so, yeah, so, Before we take off here, I wanted to just, uh, if you could just share with us and all the audience that are listening out there, you know, there's a lot of people with this pandemic that are just, they just lost hope. They're not working or, you know, maybe, you know, going through similar what you did. What would be Mm -hmm. like the first step that they can kind of unstuck, get unstuck?
0: So, you know, initially what comes up for me is, is the, the mindset shift, You know, anything that we can do to actually show ourselves a little bit more compassion, we can be so hard on ourselves and assume that it's easier for other people. You know, we're Mm -hmm. comparing ourselves to other people, and and Mm -hmm. that just makes it so much worse. (laughs) Like, if you're, you're already in a little bit of a spot of struggle or you're feeling heaviness, you're feeling stuck, like, really be kind to yourself. Mm -hmm. because that's actually you know change is a paradox in a sense that to actually create positive change we also need the equal and opposite of fully loving and accepting who and where we are Mm. right and it can be so hard like i can take myself back to when i was really struggling and i know how hard it is to to love and accept where you are it feels um, almost like the opposite of what. You can do or what you should do, and and it's a baby step thing, like yeah, you know, but it, it's a really important part of it. when we can be compassionate, we start creating space, we start creating safety, you know, and, and so that actually takes me into what where everyone can start is start making a list of what makes you feel safe, mm-hmm. right, and it, and it might be like when I, when I garden, I feel safe, or when I'm cuddling my dog. Or when I breathe in this way, I feel safe or when I'm around this person or when I walk, when I laugh, when I'm in this room, in my house, when it's quiet, when it's loud, like just make a list and continue adding to it. Like what what feels safe? What are the safety cues? Because the more that you can do that on a daily basis, especially if you're feeling stuck in your sympathetic nervous system, stuck in overwhelm, stuck in any state, when you can look at your list and actually start doing some of the things that make you feel safe, that's Mm going to help your nervous system recognize that it's actually okay in this moment and it can start downregulating or Mm upregulating if that's what it needs so that you can actually have some energy and some cognitive abilities to Mm -hmm. take action or to give yourself what you need in that moment
1: wow you answered that very well so oh, good <laughs> um so with that said before we um take off can you just tell us where we can find you and just if you want to list um your website and maybe your book
0: mm. Mm, yeah thank you yeah so i have a website uh www.dopame.com
1: i love so dopamine <laughs> Is
0: yeah d-o-p-e-a how did you get that name <laughs> Oh, there's a whole story behind it. But basically what it alludes to is my affinity for happy chemicals. And um, one of the really important steps in my uh, healing process was learning about happy chemicals and how to create them naturally in a healthy and sustainable way. And dopamine um, is just You know, I love all the happy chemicals, but dopamine (laughs) really stood out to me because it's like the felt like energy, motivation. Uh Uh it's 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 the reward after sticking with something that feels a little agitating, like it really Uh helps with growth. And and so as a uh an awareness and embodiment coach, I love working with people one-on-one and meeting them where they're at and kind of creating an equation that works for them, a personalized journey to support them in their, Uh their growth. Towards whatever they desire, so that's you know. Uh, long story short, that's where dopamine came from. Uh, it's a the yeah. personalized journey. So that's my website. It's also my Instagram at dopamine. Uh, I yeah, I'm happy to connect with anyone. You can send me an email, mm-hmm. um, reach out. I, right. I and I love connecting people with other people. So if it's sure. if I'm not the person to work with you, or if you're looking for something specific and that's mm-hmm. not within my scope of practice. I've got a, a long list of um, mm. other professionals that I love setting other people up
1: with. Very good. Oh, and my you're book. Well, yeah, my book yeah. is
0: called uh, Be, Be the Change, and you can get it on Amazon. Chance.
1: It's not easy what you went through, but you did turn it around, and, and now you're, you're dedicating to helping others, which, yeah. which is very cool. Mm, thank you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. I really enjoyed having you here. Mm, likewise. yeah absolutely and uh so guys that does it for this episode if you have uh any questions feel free to reach out if you can leave a review on apple itunes it helps me out uh bring in more guests and with that said we are uh, (laughs) out bye